And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Here we go. Welcome, everyone. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. And as you can see from the live video there, everything is back, sort of. I have my four monitors. I have my clock back up on the wall. I'm... Fairly satisfied at this point, although still, still a couple of things. That camera back there, off in the back, the computer at least now sees it. Uh, it's not talking to OBS yet, but you know, baby steps, right? We're 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 making some progress. We're making some progress. Uh, we are live on YouTube, Odyssey, and Facebook. Looks like the signal's going out just fine today. And the chat's open. The comments are open. We have an email address if you want to send us feedback that way. Live from the bunker at sci fi for mecom We are available on a number of different podcast players. If that is your preferred method of consumption and they do want you to consume don't they so today's kind of an odds and ends day I don't really have very much as far as like a topic topic uh, hello, Manny in the chat. Good to see you there. And yes, Mrs. Boss, there are five five monitors. But I don't have the fifth one hooked up yet, and I don't think I'm going to. I could. I could. But I don't think I will. All right. So uh, so today is an odds and ends day. Um, <clears throat> and just a couple of, a couple of uh, stuff. Uh, that's just come across the transom, some different things. So I'm not going to spend a full hour on any any one particular topic. Uh, but uh, the other the other thing that I actually worked on today, managed to find it, is apparently Windows Explorer now has dark mode. So I was able to switch everything over to dark mode. I'm very I'm very happy about that. Okay, so where do we start? Uh, because it's uh, we've got a we got a few things. Let's start here with this. This is an article in Hollywood Reporter. Hollywood battle lines emerge in simmering vaccine war. Now, the reason that I'm coming up on on this one first is because uh, Letitia Wright who plays Shuri in Marvel's Black Panther movies, she has come under fire for various different things that she's said with regard to all of this. And a lot of people are sitting there saying that she needs to be replaced as uh, as Shuri in Black Panther. Uh, and it looks to be, and just from this article, it looks like there's 
a little bit of a brouhaha brewing in Hollywood over this with mandates and whatnot. So you've got some people that are holding out and people that are sitting there saying well, it shouldn't be a it shouldn't be a have to thing. It should be a choose to thing. And <clears throat> this on top of the potential for a strike from IATSE, uh, which is the uh, International Association of uh, Television Stage Employees. This is basically ev everybody who puts the shows together as far as crews go. Grips, electric lighting, all, all that stuff. And IATSE has voted almost unanimously, it was a very overwhelming vote, authorizing a strike should that uh, become the thing that needs to happen. Now, they're still in negotiations to try to get better pay, better work conditions, all of that stuff. And I, I, can, I can sympathize with them a little bit because I have been, you know, I have been on movie sets. I remember one in particular where we did a 20-hour day and uh, we had to get right back and start all over again four hours later. So yeah, I I can I can sympathize. I've been there. I've been in those productions where things just go long and longer and longer and longer until you finally say we've got to stop or everybody's going to drop. I get it. So what happens? the The crux of this, the crux of this argument, is that uh, a lot of in this and this played out with Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit with, with Marvel. Hollywood, the executives, the networks and the studios and whatnot, are basically sitting there saying, well, all of these streaming shows fall into the category of new media. And because they're new media, quote-unquote they don't have the same restrictions and requirements and whatnot with regard to compensation. You're not going to get paid as much because new media, and this, this has been around, the new media category has only been around for a few years because uh, I remember when Battlestar Galactica did a web series uh, I can't even remember the name of the web series, but Battlestar Galactica did a web series, and this is now what? How long ago was was Battlestar Galactica? It was nine, eight, nine years ago. And new media was the category for a lot of these new web series that were in development. Now, the networks at the time, they were sitting there going, okay, well, what have we got? We can do all of these new web series, these interstitial transmedia was called. And there was this big push and lots of hype and lots of activity and lots of scramble. And nothing really ever amounted to much with it. There were only a few. Because it was a new idea, it was brand new, this, this whole concept of doing series on the web. Mainly because it's still going to cost you however much it costs you to make this thing. So you've got to figure out a way to do it with lower costs, people who don't command the really high salaries and that includes both cast and crew and you got to figure out how to do it on the cheap because there are no commercials 
and web and, and online video and all of that other stuff, that's, it's still, you know, it's one of these, you got to wrap your heads around how to do it. What's the approach? How do you, how do you deliver this content and make money doing it? And that was the big thing is how do we figure out a way to make money with these web series? And the original idea at the time was you've got this series on TV and the, and the web stuff would be used in order to tie in to the show and promote the show. You're, you're enjoying this? Go watch the TV show. Go watch the thing on the network. And this is back before Netflix was streaming and Disney Plus and Amazon Prime and all these other things. The, the whole streaming thing hadn't happened yet. So you see these web series, and we actually had an idea for one too, and we're, we're talking about it again, the whole John Murphy Comet Tales uh, web series. This is back when it was a thing. It was, you know, well, I guess it would have been longer than 10 years ago now because that was 14 years ago when we came up with John Murphy. And the idea was we do a web series and... You put it on YouTube, you put it on your website, you put it someplace where people can can watch it. But the question then becomes, okay, how do you monetize it? How do you make money with it? Because in the web, with online content, online programming, it's a chicken and egg thing. You have to you have to have the money to make the content. You have to have the money to make the programs. And you have to have money to promote your channel. You've got to spend money to make money. And you have, in, in order to make money, whether you're selling advertisements or, or, or sponsorships or product placement in the show or something like that, there's an expectation that your show is going to get an audience. Because, you know, otherwise, what's the point of somebody becoming a sponsor if they're not going to get their name out in front of an audience? You, people have to see the name. It's like uh, coming up in uh, later this month, we're going to be out at Fountain City Minicon. And we actually have a sponsor for that, and that is Stuckey's. Stuckey's is going to sponsor our appearance at uh, Fountain City Minicon. And the idea is they're dipping their toes in because it, it, the family has gotten hold of the company again uh, as of last year, and they're rebuilding the brand. They're rebuilding awareness. And this is a small, you know, this is a smaller 300, 400, 500 people that are going to be at this thing. And it's not a huge investment of time and resources for Stuckies to be involved in this. This is one of our little tests. It's an experiment to see what happens. But advertisers are always looking for ways that they can promote their brand and do it in a way that doesn't cost them a lot, but still gets them a maximum amount of return on investment, the ROI, which is basically, I'm going to spend this much, I want this many people to see our brand. And when web series first became a thing... There wasn't a whole lot of that. There wasn't a whole lot of return on investment. You weren't making money. The web series were ways that people could just do things for fun. That a lot of fan films uh, blew up with this as well. Star Trek Phase 2, Star Trek Continues. 
There was, uh, I think there were some Battlestar Galactica fan films. Of course, there's always Star Wars fan films. There was, uh, I think, a couple of Stargate ones. I mean, the, these were ways of people being creative and not have to worry about what the money was. And then you had some who were making web series or making shows and shorts as proof of concept or, you know, part of their demo reel. Uh, there was one, um, uh, Batman Dead End, which is the one where Batman fights uh, a predator. That one was a proof. It's like, look, I can direct, I can direct a superhero f- movie. And... There was a question at the time if you used age, uh, uh, union actors, what are you going to pay them? And the union got involved, and <coughs> it was one of these things where, okay, this is this new thing. And how do we how do we gauge? what the value is for our talent. And so the new media category was created. And the way it originally was set up is when you had a project, you had the project has a budget. The budget is X. Well, if the budget falls into this range, little little budget, tiny budget, then... The compen- the expected compensation for a union actor for a day would be this. If your budget was higher, if your budget was a bigger budget, and, you know, and they had them in categories and blocks, ranges, your budget was X to Z, then your talent needs to be compensated thusly. And the new media category, of course, involves much lower pay because at the time when this whole thing was put together, nobody was watching web series. Nobody was advertising on web series. Nobody was making any money on web series. And so you're not going to get paid a lot if you work on a web series. But now here we are 15, 20 years later, and the studios are still trying to say, all of this streaming stuff is new media, and they're trying to use that. And I guess it kind of is, because the way it's being used, the way online program is being used now, as opposed to 15 years ago, we're not doing web series. We're actually streaming this stuff, but it's just like a television network. And so now the crux of the problem is, you know, IATSE in 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 their in their deliberations have decided we, we this is not new media anymore. This is network television, and we should be paid appropriately. So, for the very first time in I don't know how long this union's been around over a hundred years, they have voted and approved a strike. Now, that's not, that's not to say they're on strike yet. They've just said, if the board decides that we have to strike, then we will strike. Now, some of you might not have been around at the time, but this happened in Hollywood back in, I want to say, 
89, 90, somewhere in there, the Writers Guild went on strike. And it affected a number of uh, productions. Basically, when your writers go on strike, you don't have scripts. <clears throat> and if you're in the middle of a production, you're stuck with whatever script that you've got, and you can't make any changes to it because you don't have any writers. And that caused a little bit of a problem with some shows and uh, film productions, which everything just kind of ground to a halt for a little while. This one, if IATSE decides to strike, this one could affect much broader scope of productions because IATSE is involved in everything. Not just film and television, but they also are involved in stage productions, theater. And that could have an impact there as well. What will it do to Broadway? Because Broadway is just now starting to reopen in all of this mess. What happens if IATSE decides they're going to strike? And what does that do to all of the different local chapters of IATSE that are spread out around the country? We have a chapter here in Kansas City, Local 31, and they do setups for concerts and for trade shows and for uh, big conventions, stage productions. What happens if IATSE decides to go on strike? Does everything stop? Maybe. So it's not just Hollywood that would have an impact here. Anywhere there's a chapter of IATSE, if the entire union goes on strike, what does that do to everything nationwide? Conventions, trade shows, stage productions, concerts, magic shows, I mean, whatever, fill in the blank there, this could have some really long-term impact on a lot of things, not just the entertainment industry, but hospitality, tourism, you know, the business world. It could, it could get rather... Heated. Now, I have not seen anything in the coverage that says that it's getting ugly yet. But there are a lot of people that are very vocal in their support of IATSE, and you could very well see some other unions decide to go on strike in sympathy with IATSE. For example, the composers for projects could go on strike. The Writers Guild could decide, well, we're going to go on strike too. The Producers Guild could. The Directors Guild could. The Teamsters could do that as well. Hollywood could be ground to dust over this because... In the midst of a pandemic and the lockdown and the shutdowns and the economic impact of that, where movie theaters are struggling already, 
if you have another round of a time where Hollywood doesn't have anything to put out for people to watch, now the streaming services would be fine because they've got all of this programming. You can just dial it up and watch it and whatever. Movie theaters don't have that luxury. You have whatever it is that they're able to program into their into their theaters. But what happens if there's no new material? What are the movie theaters going to do? As a matter of fact, you've got just just to give you a little bit of an idea, just to just to dial this into the science side of things. Here's a a new paper that's been uh, published in The Lancet, COVID-19 Lockdown Cost-Benefits, a Critical Assessment of the Literature. This is by Douglas, Ad Douglas Allen, published on September 29th. And in this document, he basically says, after looking at all of these, he's looked at over 100 COVID-19 studies and says that the lockdowns didn't do squat except destroy us economically and created all sorts of other problems because you have mental health issues, you have uh, reports of abuse, you have suicidal ideations, all sorts of problems, not just the economic impact from businesses going out of business, and certain businesses coming in with billions of dollars that they've made. <clears throat> but the economic impact of the, of the lockdowns has been decidedly negative. And did not do anything to curtail the spread of a particular disease. So there's that. So what happens... If you have another lockdown, because some people have been talking about it, and you have Hollywood on strike, and so all of this shuts down, movies, television shows, streaming, streaming services get a delay of some sort, theater productions, stage productions, concerts... Everything's closed because IATSE goes on strike. It could be decidedly bad. Could it not? Now, what's the likelihood that they're going to go on strike? Don't know. I haven't had conversations with people that are in that part of things, so I don't know how likely it is. They're still talking. They're still negotiating. So, there's that, I guess. Negotiations between the studios and the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees are expected to continue on Wednesday as the sides try to avoid a strike that would shut down production and immediately cripple Hollywood's content pipeline. I have a problem with the word content. I do. And the reason for that is because it is not... It's such a clinical... cynical word. I prefer programming. 
because I'm old-fashioned that way. Because if you were going to be somebody who is in television and you have some kind of a network where you deliver your programs for people to watch on their televisions, that's programming. And I know everybody is like, well, it's online, it's on the web, you can get it on your phone, you can get it on your mobile device, your tablet, you can watch it on a website, yeah, okay, content. That's such a such a, 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 a weird way of, of describing it. It's programming. It's entertainment programming. Or it's news programming. Documentaries. Or actual newscasts. Interviews. Feature stories. It's all still programming because you're still doing TV. And that's something that I have uh, in, in the back of my head when it comes to all of the stuff that we do. I don't look at us as a YouTube channel, for example. I don't consider myself a YouTuber. Because we're not just broadcasting to YouTube. We're broadcasting to Odyssey. We're broadcasting to Facebook. If I could get it figured out and make it work, we could broadcast to LinkedIn. We could broadcast to Twitch. We do gaming programming over there. Gameplay. We broadcast our programs. Our programs are TV shows. Just like you would find on ABC, NBC, MSNBC, ESPN. I mean, we're not doing sports. But we have various different shows that have various different areas of concentration. And they're, they're produced just like you would have on television. To me, Sci-Fi For Me TV is a TV channel. We're a TV network. We just happen to broadcast on these online platforms like YouTube and Odyssey. But that doesn't make us a YouTube channel. I don't see us as content creators. We're a TV channel. This part of it. Now we've got SciFiForMe.com where we post reviews, mostly. News articles. But the categorization efforts to minimize and and basically I don't not necessarily denigrate what we do but it's it's almost dismissive when you call people oh well that's just a youtuber or an influencer what's an influencer anyway who are you influencing and why why are you an influencer and why do I why do I even need to listen to you? See, we're not influencers here. We're not trying to compel you to do anything in particular. We're not giving you a bandwagon to hop onto. Although we do invite people to subscribe to all of the channels that we've got and connect with us on all the social medias. 
But that doesn't make us an influencer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right. When we get back, we're going to take a real quick break. When we get back, we're going to take a look at uh, somebody who has been involved in a TV show that has had a lot of influence and impact over the years. Bill Shatner is going to space for real. We'll talk about that when we get back. We're live from uh, live from yeah, live from the bunker. Stand by. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Be sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our channels so you don't miss our next broadcast. Experience makes the difference. Since 2009, Sci-Fi for Me has been bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Science fiction, fantasy, and horror have been on our radar from the beginning. And now, Sci-Fi for Me is bringing you something new. A new direction, new partnerships, new content, an all-new mix of programs on an all-new channel. Sci-Fi for Me TV, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here, along with you. Glad to have everybody with us. William Shatner is going into space. Oh wait, that's not the right story. There it is. We'll talk about tech war here in a minute. This this news comes on the heels of Jeff Bezos going up in his spaceship for the first civilian flight from Blue Origin. And next week, six days from now, William Shatner is going up in the second civilian flight from Blue Origin. He's 90 years old. He's going to be the oldest person in space. The oldest person to get into space. And that is quite an achievement. This is this uh, now the oldest person to uh, ever go into orbit is still John Glenn when he went up when he was 77 years old. Uh, this this uh, Blue Origins capsule is not going to hit orbit, but it will still put William Shatner as the oldest person to leave the Earth, as it were, uh, like that. So that's coming up next week. October 12th, 2021, aboard Blue Origin's New Shepard spacecraft. Liftoff is set for 9.30 a.m. Eastern from Blue Origin's launch site 1 in West Texas. Shatner and three others aboard, among them uh, on the crew, is... uh, uh, Let's see, what's her name here? Um... She's a member of the Blue Blue Origin staff, and where's her name? Blue Origin Vice President Audrey Powers. She is the Vice President of Missions and Flight Operations. And then we have Chris Boshusen, co-founder of Earth's observation company Planet Labs, 
And Glenn DeVries, Vice Chair for Life Sciences and Healthcare at French software company Dassault Systems. Shatner and Powers were announced as crew members uh, yesterday, I think. No, when was this? That was about six hours ago. So, he's actually going out into space, the final frontier. But this raises an interesting question. Because we've heard about the plans for Tom Cruise to get up into space to shoot a movie. The commercialization of space flight. We, we knew it was coming. It's been in the works for a while. Of course, you've got uh, SpaceX over there with uh, Elon Musk. And we have this news. We talked about this on Monday during our, our money talk. Virgin Galactic Holdings was given permission to resume flights by U.S. regulators. Shares jumped as much as 17% Thursday after the news. Right now it's sitting there up. It's sitting at $22.79 a share. I don't know, Mrs. Boss. We might need to grab us some stock in Virgin Galactic because they, they seem to be fairly affordable at this point. But the the idea of the commercialization, going to you know, going to orbit, going to the moon, going to Mars, going to the the asteroid belt. We've got a story here. The United Arab Emirates have a plan for a mission to go exploring the asteroids, and at some point we're gonna have some people out there. And it makes absolute perfect sense that we mine the asteroids for various different resources. Precious metals and rare earth, rare minerals and who knows, maybe the cure for cancer is going to be out there somewhere. The Laboratory for Atmospheric and Space Physics at the University of Colorado and the United Arab Emirates are putting together a, a joint mission uh, in collaboration, University of Colorado Boulder mission will build on the success of the UAE's ongoing Emirates Mars mission to visit a much more ambitious target than the asteroid belt. Uh, so this is going to be a, 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 a new mission built on the transformative change that has occurred within the United Arab Emirates space sector with a goal to make a meaningful contribution to space exploration. This has been catalyzed by the Emirates-Mars mission, the first Arab mission to another planet, which resulted from a foundational collaborative partnership between the UAE's Mohammed bin Rashid Space Center and uh, the LASP, which is the, the space program there at uh, University of Colorado in Boulder. So they're going to be sending a mission to explore the asteroid belt, and who knows what they're going to be bringing back what they're going to find out there. But you're, you're starting to see more efforts, more interest in getting out into space. And when you have somebody like William Shatner getting ready to go up there, it popularizes and it somewhat, I don't want to say it normalizes, but it makes it a little bit more enticing, a little bit more interesting for people to say, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll go up into space. Maybe I'll get on Virgin Galactic space plane when they're, when they're commercially available and I can just buy a ticket and I can go. 
The flip side of that, though, for me personally, because the more I think about it, and the older I get, the more risk-averse I get. And I, you know, these these missions would not be going off if they didn't have a, a fairly high degree of confidence that it's safe enough. We're going to take William Shatner up into space. I mean, hopefully nothing goes wrong. And going back to the moon, going to Mars, these are going to be, especially for the manned missions, they're going to take a while. They're going to take a long while. And at some point in the future, we're going to be jetting back and forth between the planets and, and we'll have mining operations in, this, in the asteroid belt. And at some point, one of these days way off far in the distant timeline somewhere, we'll send a manned mission to Pluto and and beyond, and we'll see what happens. And at some point, maybe we figure out how to break the light speed barrier, and, and we can travel at warp speed and go to Alpha Centauri and Sirius and Betelgeuse and wherever, right? And I sit there and I think, would if if I had the opportunity, would I go? And I guess the question would be, would I get to come back? But the older I get, I mean, I'm 51. 90 is just around the corner for me. I don't know that I would go. I don't know that I would do it. I mean, you look at, you know, here, here's, here's Bill Shatner at 90 years old. He's going to go up into space. You've had John Glenn who went up when he was 77. You've got George Herbert Walker Bush skydiving in his 80s. And that's impressive. Don't get me wrong. That's impressive. But the older I get, the less the less interested I am in doing stuff like that. I don't know. It's just it's just one of those things where I guess maybe the, the last couple of years especially uh, have made me a little bit more aware of my own mortality perhaps. I don't know. But here's, here's another part of this because, you know, we talk about Shatner in space. We talk about uh, uh, Tom Cruise getting up there to shoot a movie. They're actually doing it now. The Russians are shooting a movie in space. Here they are. Uh, actress Yulia uh, Parasild here on the left of this photograph and film director Klim... Shepenko, who's this uh, guy here on the right, and cosmonaut Anton Skaplerov, they are currently in space at the International Space Station shooting part of a movie. She's playing a doctor who has to go up to the International Space Station to shoot scenes covering a medical emergency... On the space station, she plays a doctor, and they they take her up. They're in in the International Space Station for twelve days to shoot this movie. So, this is the kind of thing that's going to be happening. You're going to start seeing this more and more. And 
You know, for as much as everybody talks about Space Force and the militarization of space and all this other stuff and how silly the whole idea of Space Force is, this is where things are going. The commercialization of space is is coming right on the heels of just actually getting out there. And as the technology develops and as the technology gets better and we become able to do more things out there and the and the space stations get bigger and, and all of the facilities and the resources, and we get all of this new stuff out there, maybe at some point, who knows, maybe there's going to be a little rover that flies around, put, 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 put in, in orbit and pulls all of these satellites in that are dead and scrap and let's recycle them and build new habitats. Who knows? Then, then, then you've got the Astro robot that Amazon is working on right now that's been, that's been put out. And I don't know that I want anything in my house that can watch me and listen to me. The surveillance state still is a thing, right? It's a mixed bag. It's a very mixed bag. But I think this is kind of cool. I mean, you're, you're, you're up there, you're actually in space. This is not... I mean, Apollo 13, when they shot that movie, Ron Howard and, and Tom Hanks and, and those guys, they went up in one of those converted cargo planes that does the... You know, you can do your weightless flights. This is part of the training that, that astronauts do. And, and you go up... And for a certain amount of time, as the plane starts to descend, you're weightless. You've seen the video on all of this. And that's how they shot Apollo 13. They were not in space, but they actually were weightless, and things were floating around, and it was all very, very cool. But now, the barrier has been broken that you can actually now... Consider the possibility that if you're going to be shooting a movie in space, you could actually go shoot a movie in space. Not everybody's going to be able to do it. And the movie studios are not likely to be inclined to spend that kind of money on it. And the insurance companies, of course, I don't think are going to want to cover it. I don't know how Tom Cruise is going to convince any insurance company to cover something like that. But one of these days, one of these days, we're going to have industry in space. And everybody's going to have to rethink how they think. The services that are provided, who's going to put the first restaurant in space is it going to be chick-fil-a arby's are we going to get a mcdonald's in space a mcdonald's on the international space station how's that right subway, subway. is there going to be you couldn't do drive through what about Fashion. How, what, what, what will fashion, what will the impact be if you're weightless? What kind of outfits will you be able to wear 
when you are floating around in space? Who's going to put the first bookstore in space? Of course, it'll probably just be kind of a Kindle store or some kind of a download download library. You're not going to physically take books up there. Although that would be nice. That would be kind of fun to see. A bank in space, perhaps? Get on your little scooter pod and jet over to the to the ATM to get your cryptocurrency and go to the go to the mall up there in the L5 Lagrange position maybe I don't know it's coming the commercialization of space is inevitable and it's this kind of thing that's going to do that you know whether you're shooting movies in space or shooting uh, William Shatner up into space and you know you've got Virgin Galactic you've got SpaceX both uh, Manny says let's look for the Wayland yutani Corporation <laughs> yes at some point we'll get one it's coming that may not be the the actual name of it but it's coming because there is an actual real Skynet there is a company by that name I don't know. We might get a whale in Utani Corporation. Might maybe uh, Cyberdyne Systems. Who knows? Anyway, that is what we have to look forward to, and I will remain with my feet firmly planted on the ground. Thank you very much. But it will be interesting to see that that flight launch next uh, next week. So October twelfth, that's when William Shatner goes to space for real, and hopefully all goes well, and we will uh, we will maybe watch and wonder. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Don't forget, we do have a new Salacious Crumbs that dropped this past Sunday. Mac is back. She is hosting, and we're accommodating her schedule, so there is a new day and time for the show. It's going to be every other Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern for Central. And then, of course, coming up this weekend at... uh, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central. We've got the week's headlines on Good Morning Multiverse. So we do hope you will join us for all of those shows. And and feel free to wander around and check out any of the rest of the shows that we have here on this channel. If you have not subscribed, we do invite you to do so, both here on YouTube and here on Odyssey. And uh, we will continue putting out all of these programs as we're able. Hopefully it's something that you can connect with and enjoy and share. And we'll keep doing it for as long as you keep watching. And uh, that is it for this particular installment live from the bunker. Just remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. 